0: In part two of the Stephen Truscott saga and the woman who set things right, the 519 podcast looks at Truscott's life between the time he left prison and when his conviction was overturned. Truscott and his family endured isolation until finally justice prevailed. We also look at the movie Marlene about Truscott's wife and her determination to clear her husband's name. Here's your host, Craig Needles. So many things in Stephen Truscott's life have been tragic up until he was paroled, wrongfully convicted, sentenced to hang, an appeal that resulted in even more heartbreak. If you're looking for any reason to be optimistic, his death sentence being commuted would be the lone bright spot. And even then, it's not a whole lot to ask for when we're talking about a 14-year-old boy. He was a child when he was convicted. And when he finally left prison, Stephen was still labeled a convicted murderer and rapist, a title that was set to stay with him for the rest of his life, and being released as a recognized model inmate wasn't doing anything to change that. His life's outlook was grim. But then came Marlene, an unsung hero Stephen Truscott's story and it started with the release of a very important book written by journalist Isabel Laborde. This is Wendy Hill, too. She's the writer, director, and producer of the film Marlene.
1: Stephen had been in jail for a number of years when a woman named Isabel Laborde, who also was a journalist, got a hold of the transcripts of the trial. Like When the trial took place, it was a 10-day trial. There were no journalists allowed. Nobody really knew what had happened. The only thing that happened, did know was when he came out, they said he was guilty and that he should be come. She was taking it on because she had a 14-year-old son, and she just couldn't imagine if this had happened to him, and she didn't believe in capital punishment. But when she took it on, she realized it was more than that. It was a boy who was innocent. The book was published in England first. It was too controversial for Canada. And the excerpt was published in, uh, you know, basically the Weekend magazine across the country, and Marlene was one of the people who saw it and read it and totally believed he was innocent. Got, you know, the, the whole book and read it and never looked back.
0: The book, the uncovered trial transcripts, the blatant miscarriage of justice, it all set a fire under Marlene and drove her into the pursuit to clear Stephen Truscott's name.
1: Because she believed so much in his innocence, she started to campaign for him and collected signatures in her town where she lived and... Sent them in to um, you know the MPs and to you know government people supporting his case. Her story is amazing, and no one in Canada knows this. It. It's funny because she became sort of a I don't know if you call it a political person, but someone who became so involved in this case. But when she grew up, you know what she dreamed of was a picket fence, getting married, and having kids. And you know she loved fashion magazines. She loved fashion. She was bored at school. She was interested in dating wasn't really interested in you know cases like his, and um but you know again her life changed when she when she heard about the case believed he was innocent and that it was just wrong what happened
0: marlene's early advocacy made waves and got a lot of attention and helped change the narrative around stephen truscott she began to make people second guess themselves and wonder if an innocent man had been held responsible for a brutal crime that he didn't commit and while this is all going on, Fade intervened shortly after Stephen's parole was granted.
1: One day she just got a call suddenly saying, you know, I'm, I, I'm on my way with Stephen, we're going to see his lawyer, and I thought I'd stop by. And um, I guess it was a moment that changed her life. It was sort of a fluke in a way because he was moving to Vancouver. He wasn't allowed to stay in Ontario. They, they didn't want any more press because the press, believed he was innocent and so um what was sad was here's this boy who'd been in jail for 10 years and he finally got out to see his family and he wasn't allowed to see them he had to move out of the province so he was sent to his grandfather's house in vancouver and it just sort of happened that marlene and a, a girlfriend were moving out there when they met at this dinner she found out that and then they um contacted each other she lost his number what was funny, like er, the number got lost anyway, but she did eventually track him down as Marlene would.
0: They had an instant connection through Stephen's case. He knew that he was innocent. He was the one person who could attest to that with absolute certainty. But Marlene seemed to be just as sure. Her passion for justice brought them together and they soon began to date. Eventually they got married and moved back to Ontario, settling in Guelph.
1: They had to hide because the parole board wouldn't let him use his name. They just had to live this life of Secrecy, which she hated. I mean, you know, one of the things she said was that he'd been in prison and um, he was out and he was free. But for her, you know, she was free and now she was in prison. And um, they had to move around. They moved around a bunch of times when people found out, you know, basically there's a murder and rapist on the block.
0: Things only got more difficult for the Truscotts when they started a family with young kids and a life that already had its share of disappointment and heartbreak. They tried to stay under the radar and away from things that would draw attention to them.
1: They had to try and protect the children. They didn't do, you know, interviews really during those years because they just couldn't come out really. And all that time, I think she just simmered. Like she simmered just wanting the truth to come out someday. And she vowed on her wedding day that someday she was going to help him.
0: But for obvious reasons, that just wasn't very easy, especially for Marlene. They had kids, they had jobs, they had a house, everything except their own names. This is Kristen Booth, who was the lead actor in the film Marlene.
2: So I think for her, it was, it was very, very difficult to live like that, to live in hiding, to live under an assumed name, all the while knowing that it was wrong, you know, that they, the justice system was wrong, the police were wrong, everyone was wrong.
0: As kids grew older, it became harder and harder for Stephen and Marlene to keep living under assumed names. The kids were growing older and the silence became too much to bear. Led by Marlene, they knew it was time for them to tell the truth.
1: I mean, they were living this lie and she was very worried as the kids grew up that, I mean, they would eventually, they were going to find out. And, uh, you know, she argued some of that we need to tell them who you are because, you know, what are they going to think when they find out? We've been lying to them all these years. And, you know, weirdly, she said to him, you know, when they're 14, we're telling them. Because if you were old enough to hang, they're old enough to know who their father is. All the kids found out. They didn't find out from their parents at all. You know, they found out, they found library books in the library, for example. There was a book. And, you know, like one's going through it and her father's picture is in there. You know, and Ryan's told me the same thing, like there's this book and all their relatives are there, but, you know, with the Truscott name. And, um, you know, and I think his, his class did an assignment. He was away. And while it was happening, they'd given out assignments in class and his group that he was in was given the Truscott story. And he had to go to the teacher and say, you know, um, uh, I don't want to do this unit, you know? And, um, you know, and, and the guy said, why? Like, you know, um, and he said, because he's my father. I mean, all of the kids went, went through that. And eventually what was really cool was Ryan went to his father and said, Dad, I want to take your name. It was on his birthday. Because in jail, he didn't have a name. He had a number. And he was told he wouldn't need his name in there. And finally came the time when they could actually admit who they were.
0: And with that freedom in their household, there was a renewed feeling that they had to set things right. They had to push for justice, and Marlene was the one who led the charge because the Trescotts had just been devastated so many times. They wanted to move on and leave it all in the past, but Marlene knew the only way to do that was to continue pursuing clearing Stephen's name.
1: When Marlene wanted to go after it again, like, um, it was very hard for his mother because I, I think more than anything, she just didn't want Stephen to be hurt again. He had been so hurt, I mean, the first time when he was, sentenced to be hung and was, like, guilty because he wasn't guilty. And then seven years later, I think they had a lot of hopes on that appeal. And they really thought now he was going to get out, and they lost that appeal, and it was crushing. And um, I remember the story of how, you know, the minister, a minister in the jail, came to Stephen and said, I have to tell you some news. You know, you've lost the case. And then he said, and your your parents are divorcing they're breaking apart and for Stephen, I think that was the most difficult thing because I just think he felt such incredible guilt that he destroyed his family and I think it was hard I think um, I don't know it could have and everyone was worried it would destroy Stephen or destroy his mother like if they lost again and so it was it was risky you know what Marlene did to push this case and to say no truth about us. We need to find justice for Stephen.
0: Marlene persevered. She finally convinced the family it was the right thing to do, and she got to work.
1: For Stephen, it was liberating to a point. Like, you know, just for Marlene, it totally was. For Stephen, I think it was too. And I think in their own marriage, um, they had never talked about it since the time they were married. It was just understood that it was something you never talked about. So I think that when she went back into the case, when Fifth Estate did the documentary, and during those years um, before that documentary came out, Marlene had was going into the boxes. She ordered all the papers that they got. So there was all this information, new information that came out that had never been seen before, hidden in these boxes, basically, of witness statements and police statements and, you know, uh, doctor reports and all kinds of things. So, you know, I think for Stephen, it, like, he started to come out, too, like, to talk about it. And they started to share that, I think, in their marriage, which was really amazing.
0: CBC aired that episode of The Fifth Estate as well. There was a detailed and influential book that was written by Julian Share, who you can hear on part one of this podcast series. The injustice of Stephen's trial was now displayed across the country. There was no hiding from it.
1: Marlene wanted this case to go back to trial, and so, um, you know, they had heard of, by then, David Milgaard's acquittal on DNA evidence. Um, That didn't exist earlier, and, you know, he was in jail 23 years. You know, they thought, let's give it a chance, so they found a lawyer. One of the, you know, some of their lawyers were the same lawyers as as did his case, and and, um, they did the DNA, but unfortunately, it was all gone. So then, they had to fight harder in order for him to be acquitted. They had to, they had to show evidence that the jury never saw. They had to bring up new evidence to overturn that, and they were able to do it. I mean, Marlene and the lawyers and the journalists involved—you know—all of them brought forward information that that the jury never heard. So in these cases, you have to do that. If you don't have new evidence, you're toast. And, you know, that's why Marlene spent so many years going through 20,000 pieces of paper to help find the evidence that would exonerate her husband.
0: Innocence Canada picked up and continued on with Stephen's legal battle in the early 2000s. And thanks to everything Marlene was able to dig up and uncovering all the wrongdoings in the first two trials, things started to look promising. The Legal proceedings began for the first time in Stephen's life. It looked like he was finally going to get a fair shot. The facts were present, the medical analysis was realistic, and the witness statements were all included. Every single detail of the case is on the table. Everything was available for examination. When the gavel was banged and echoed through the courtroom, it was followed by the announcement that Stephen Truscott had been acquitted. Justice had finally been realized, and the one person who deserved most of the credit was Marlene.
1: I don't think this case would ever gone forward without Marlene. And it's not just what she found in the boxes and the evidence. She was so detailed and... Um, That's partly what made her successful. But I think more than anything, she was always there pushing him, pushing the family, pushing it forward when everyone else might have given up. And I think, you know, aside from the evidence she helped to find, this case would not never
2: have been resolved without her. He would have lived the rest of his life a convicted rapist and murderer, for sure, if it weren't for her. I mean, she she fought for over 40 years to get his name cleared. Um, and it was at times agonizing. You know, she went through several bouts of severe depression. She wanted to give up um, because she just kept hitting so many walls. And, and so there was so much red tape. And, and you know, the people involved in his original arrest and trial didn't want the truth to be revealed because it, it showed their incompetence and it showed Uh, You know, the fact that they purposely left pertinent information and documents out of the trial and his appeal um, uh, trial. So, you know, there was a lot of uh, cover-up involved, and Marlene's work revealed that. (laughs) I say um, Marlene has a spine of steel. Um, She is an incredible woman who devoted the better part of her life to uh, a cause that she believed in, which was uh, justice, ultimately. Um, she saw wrongdoing and wanted to make it right. Not just, I think, for Stephen and her family, but in general. Uh, and she changed the face of the Canadian justice system. She's an incredible hero in our country. And I think, you know, I've said this before, I, I really feel like she should be nominated for an Order of Canada because she, the work she did Uh, revealed so much and changed so much in our justice system. Um, She really is an iconic uh, female figure in our country.
0: The Truscott's were given compensation for everything the legal system had done to them, amounting to about $6.5 million. There's no price that can be put on lost years and the mental duress that went along with it, but it did give them a sense of financial freedom and independence that they'd never seen. The acquittal itself set the precedent for the future and continues to be a staple in Canadian legal history. It goes to show that justice can be found and it's always worth fighting for. And that's what makes Stephen Truscott's story so important and why it needs to continue to be told, especially when it's told through a perspective that's never been heard.
1: She's never been a part of our Canadian history and yet she was certainly one of the key people that were involved in helping to get him exonerated. It's just a different perspective. I mean, I think Stephen's story has been told over the years. Not that there's not more to know. And it's such a fascinating, interesting story as well. I mean, I could have made 10 films on it. it. I just thought Marlene was really just an ordinary woman who did extraordinary things. And, you know, I think it just shows us that all of us in our life, can step forward to fight for truth and justice as she did. I think it's important to all Canadians to see our heroes and to appreciate them and to know our stories. And she's part of the Canadian landscape. It's an important Canadian story that should be told and continue to be told.
0: The film has generated significant positive reaction, both from advocates for the wrongly accused and those who see Truscott's case as an important piece of Canadian history.
1: People in southern Ontario know this story. It's like part of them and part of their psyche. And we've had great success, I think, touring around to different different centers in Southern Ontario. And it's given it a whole new life because it keeps extending. There's another theater and another theater that wants to show it. So it just goes to show the power of, I think, getting films out to the regions and then telling stories about who we are and how exciting that is for Canadians.
0: During a screening in Stephen and Marlene's hometown of Guelph, Marlene finally got the recognition she deserved.
1: I think one of the great moments was probably the night that they played it in Guelph. It was just a a private audience with her friends and family, but filled. And what was really cool was that when the film was over, Marlene and Stephen went up to the front, and everyone in the audience raised their fingers in a victory sign. And she got her moment. She got the recognition she deserved. And I know she said to Kristen Booth, who plays Marlene, the older Marlene, and to myself that seeing the movie, she felt it was the first time that she was seen.
2: I feel like uh, in hearing from her afterwards to say that she felt like she was seen, was um, the greatest compliment and greatest gift that I could have been given as an actor. I think the biggest thing is really that it, this this story illustrates how one person's commitment to something can really change and make a difference in our world. and i and I, you know Mar, Marlene is and will continue to be one of my heroes.
0: One of the saddest parts of this story is that investigators and the police latching on to Stephen Truscott so quickly as a suspect and putting all of their focus on him left the real killer walking free. Lynn Harper has never received her justice and left behind an entire family that will never know the truth. In a case with two victims, bringing closure to half of them isn't enough. But at this point, it's all we have. This episode of the 519 Podcast was written by Craig Needles, Haley Chang, and Patrick Magermans, and hosted by Craig Needles. The 519 Podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network.